Praise God. Good evening. I think I, I should begin with one of these. Let's see how we go. That's the new movement. This is Michael's first time in a church. Now, I can only apologize. I, I didn't realize what was going to happen. He thought he was going to come to hallelujah. And then he gets that. I will explain to him later. Just at, before I come to the, to the word tonight, some of you will remember I went through some problems years ago. And when people have problems, they have different solutions. I used to eat. Anybody do that? I ate and I ate and I ate and I ate. And I went from 12 stone to 13 stone. And then to 14 stone. And then to 15. Then to 16. Then to 17. And then I was so depressed. I was 17 and a half. That was the last time I stepped on the scales because I frightened myself. I was changing. Nothing fitted me anymore. And I did research because... You know, mental stresses can drive you to all sorts of things. It drove me to the fridge, <laughs> right? Pasties and all sorts of stuff. And I, I had to go on a radical transformation. Listen to me, folks. Listen. You're here this week for your body, soul, and... Yeah. And I think one of the points that I had missed was that these things are connected, aren't they? They're really seriously connected. And I had gone off the, 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 the edge with my body. And I thought it wouldn't affect me, but you know what? It really affected me. So what did I do? I did what all of you have done. I joined the gym. I didn't go to the gym, but I joined the gym. Right? And I was proud of my membership. I got my card. And you go, like most of you, I go once or twice. But then you just stop going, isn't it? True, isn't it? So then no problem. Um... Time went by and I kind of went out and in and out and in, right? Like some of you. I was getting bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. And you know what? I, 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 I can tell you this, and I'm, I'm very serious at the moment um, on this point. My body was seriously connected to my survival. And that was the mistake I made. Once I got a grip on my weight, once I got a grip on physical health, I suddenly found spiritual health quite close by there. And I didn't realize how closely those things were connected. But it wasn't the gym membership that solved my problem. Do you know who it was? It was actually him. I'd ran three marathons in the last two years. Hallelujah. Right? So that's a long way from 17 and a half stone. And the, the answer was not the gym membership. Do you know what it was? It's a person. It was a person. Someone that I'm accountable to. What a difference it made. And the, 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 the transformation in me was because I was accountable. I had someone, a, a professional, who was able to analyze my food, gave me an app with all my food and my carbs and my proteins and everything else. And that began a transformation that has completely changed my life. Not expensive, I have to say. And, and what we do is, is Michael meets myself and my wife, and we have an app on the phone. He analyzes my food analyzes all fluid intake, analyzes protein, carbs. We meet, he'll come and be with us together, look at my body, see how I've grown, and just give simple advice. It's as simple as that. I want you to be healthy, right? I want you to be healthy. Deshaun's not here. 
All right? Amen? Because twice in the last two years, I love Deshan. He's a really nice person, very kind to me. But Deshan, twice in the last two years, finished preaching. If you know people's, there's a little alleyway behind the stage. Finished preaching and he collapsed because he's massive. <laughs> he's huge. And he walks in with his Coke and everybody goes, Stop the Coke! Get a grip on yourself. What's wrong with you? And they've put two stints in his heart. And it's serious stuff, you know. And Rick used to say, Deshaun, we need you healthy. We need you healthy. You can have a great spirit, but if you can't get out of bed, you can't do anything, right? Amen? So we're here for body, soul, and spirit. And these things are interrelated. Michael and I will be outside at the end of this meeting. I strongly advise you to invite him to come to your family. Not just the men, the, men, the women, the children. And just one day, just one day, and do an analysis of your weight and your food, right? Just one day. And let him set you on some sort of track. That's what we're doing. I don't regret it for one second. Amen? Body, soul, and spirit. Do an analysis and don't, don't let it get away with you. I have to say, folks, Christians are not great on this. We're not great on this. Are we? Is that the whole grace thing or what? Is it... You know, I'm just saved by grace. I'm not under law. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> what is it? It, it, it it's, it's not wise. Eyes forward, please. I, it, it, it's really serious. The, the leader of the fastest growing church in the United Kingdom is Steve Upple. He was here three years ago. What does Steve Upple do every single day? Jim. Every morning. Right? Yeah. Do you see the connection? Hello. John Bevere. Remember John Bevere? Excellent. When John Bevere was at the height of his ministry, I remember I had the privilege of being there. But what, all through his sermons, we were with him for three days. He was constantly referring to his time in the gym. And I, I'm, I'm just telling you, folks, for me, these things are closely related. And I strongly advise you, be blessed in your spirit. Amen. Amen. And let's look at the soul tonight. But don't forget your body. Amen? So when I finish, I'll go outside. Please come and talk to us if you wish. This is, this is our third time. We've got four. So we're almost finished. Easter camp is quick. How can it almost be finished? We're almost done. And I thank you for your response this morning. I thank you for your sincerity. For those of you who weren't here on the first night, this is our theme, supernatural increase. Um, just to say in one second, 30 seconds flat. There's a difference between natural increase and supernatural increase. Amen? Amen? Most of the increase in your life has been through natural things. You got a qualification and you got a job. But it was natural. Okay, probably. Okay? You, 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 you earn some money, you put a deposit on a house. You blah, 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 blah. You paid your tithe, you got your, your return. Okay? But it was natural. And what we began with was looking at the, the, the people. In, when you open your Bible, it's not the natural people you read about. It's the ones who broke through to the supernatural. Right? It's the Moses and the David. It's, the, it's those who went that extra mile and moved the heart of God and moved the hand of God. And I don't want to be telling people about my testimonies. I want to tell people about what God did. Right? What a difference. What a difference. And uh, if you think about it, as I've done, you know, for a year now, 
the dearth of testimonies on this issue. I want it. Amen? There's a real hole here. There's a real gap here. I mentioned on Friday, was it Thursday? Jesus did spectacular miracles. Amen? He was raising the dead and the blind can see. Why do I say the deaf can see all the time? The deaf can see and the blind can hear, you know? Anyway, spectacular miracles were done. And I want to see that again. And I believe in these last days, God is calling. I can feel it in my spirit. He's looking for someone. Is there anybody here? He's looking for someone, looking for a conduit, looking for someone to use. And I hope that's you. I hope that's us. I love this church. Isn't it good? Isn't it a good spirit? Let's take it further. So that's what we did on the first night. This, we, we, we understand that there's a difference between the natural and the supernatural. And we're going to go for the supernatural. Then this morning, we dealt with the problem. It has to be done. You know when you go to the dentist, one of the first things they do before they work on your teeth, what do they do? Clean your mouth, right? And the dentist will be, shh, I hate it. Yeah? And he'll be like, I'm preparing you. I've got to do some work. There's something wrong with you. And I'm preparing you. Relax. I hate the dentist. I'm getting you ready. And this morning, that's what we had to do. Okay? So we believe in the supernatural, but there's a lot of weeds in my life. A lot of stuff. I've, I've, I've grown up, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances, whether it's a love of money. Things have choked the Word of God. And Jesus, as I re- said today, Jesus describes the, the Word as such a small thing. And the cares of this life, the love of money, the, 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 you know, the stresses, especially in this part of the world, London, is really stressful, isn't it? It's a very stressful society. And he, Jesus describes it as a tiny little seed. And with all the noise of the pressures of my life, I don't see it or hear him anymore. And when God enters our life, it's such a splash normally. It, it was for me. But then as time goes by, you can, you can just lose something. And he's a gracious God, a good God, and he comes back. So this morning was about preparation. If you think you don't need preparation, you are seriously wrong. Jesus had 30 years of it. In anonymity, where no one knew who he was. Working at home, submissive to his parents. Preparation, because something supernatural was going to come through him. And boy, is that true. And he succeeded, wholeheartedly succeeded. I want to be as brief as I can tonight, but still get the job done. So give me your full attention, and I'll move swiftly. I want you to see something. When God's going to do something to you, something significant, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to speak to you. Okay? You're going to hear. Remember Genesis chapter 1. All that he did, what did he do? And God spoke. Right? God speaks and things happen. That's, that, that's the mechanism. Now, eyes forward. Jesus is an anonymity. He's just about to go into the, you know, become the recognized son of God. Go to the cross and save your eternal soul. But he didn't just go automatically, did he? What was, what was it that happened after the baptism? The word. There it is. So Jesus, even Jesus, right? And this is something for you to see. Anybody going into ministry? I hope there are here. 
I hope there are some of you that are going to move from the business world to the ministry world because we need you. I hope there's some of you who have dreams, maybe that you've, you've sat on for a long time. Go for it. God bless you, whatever you do. I'm not being negative about that. But it's serious that we have 26 odd churches just in our patches that haven't got pastors. Because everybody's too busy. They're all too busy. I got to go and bury my father. I just, oh, I can't come. Do you know I just bought a blah, 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 blah yoke of oxen? And that's what it's like today. Never mind in Jesus' day, it's the same now. So you cleaned yourself out this morning. You prepared your soil. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Jesus did his preparation, 30 years of it, and then he steps out. What does he receive? The word. This is my beloved son in whom I, is, I, I am well pleased. To say that this statement was critical is an understatement. He needed that. That was the equipment on which he walked. It dealt with, on your notes if you've got them. Um, there are three things that that statement dealt with. His identity. This is my beloved what? Son. That's his identity. That's also your identity. The second thing. This is my beloved son, right? My loved son. I love you. That's acceptance, right? In whom I am well pleased. That's approval. And this is fundamental to the human race. This, these three needs are needs that you have. And if you get this right, if you let God speak to you, nothing can take it from you. Guys, please, full attention. The LFC guys know my story. I was born with a speech impediment. Great embarrassment to me. Great embarrassment. Uh, it's kind of segregated me in school. Teachers would ask questions, skip me. It's really embarrassing. And, and we, we, you, you would go to speak and you can't speak. And I hated my speech impediment. So you've got about as much chance as a snowball in hell of me being in ministry. I can tell you that. But you know what fixed me? One word. One word. One word. One word. That's all. This is what's happening, Jesus. If you get a word, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Once you've heard, no one can ever convince me that I didn't hear. I know what I heard. I was lying on the floor. And the word of the Lord came from a far place. And it was this, just one word, preach. And that was it. I didn't need anything else. And so for many years, some pastors who maybe feel insecure or weak, they come to me and they say, can I talk to you privately? I, 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 I feel insecure and you don't seem insecure. You don't look insecure. Would you pray for me? And often I will say to people, well, do you know what I'll do? I'll pray for you to get a word. Because that's what's missing. That's what changes you. That's what happened in Genesis. That's where all creation came from. And when God spoke that word to me, He was creating me. He was making me. And here you have Jesus going through. God the Father is, is, is addressing within Him the same needs that you have. The need to, 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 to with great certainty, know your identity. The need for approval. Oh boy. How many likes did you get today? The need for approval. The need for acceptance. And if you think you're not, you, I mean, please. Uh, I, I, I ask you to think again if you think these aren't issues. These are issues for me today. And the issue of your identity, all these songs have been great selection. I am who he says. Yeah, that's who I am. 
I am. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. That's what I am. Now, can you imagine Jesus after what he went through in anonymity? Must have been very difficult. <coughs> and then the sky opens. He's come through baptism, also humility. The sky opens and he gets all three in one sentence. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God firstly has to deal within you with your real grip on your identity. That you are a son of God. If you're born again, what are you? A son of God, a child of God. And you've got to own that, that no one can take it from you, right? It's got to be part, you know, the, the, the central part indeed of your identity. In the Garden of Eden, remember, Satan's first task was to undermine Eve and how she saw herself. Satan said to Eve, Eve, if you had that, you're missing, you're lacking, Eve. You're lacking, you know. It's, it's a bad God. If only you had that, you would then be fulfilled. And then you'd get the approval of people. Then you'd be accepted. But right now, Eve, sorry, you're not accepted. Something missing in you, Eve. He attacked her identity with Jesus. Remember, Satan took him to the, pre the precipice and said, step off. If you are the Son of God, right? Same thing, attacking your identity. When I was in Ireland, somebody was standing behind my wife at the, at the bank, AIB bank. And they, they had a camera or whatever, and they got our bank card. And I came back, and all our money was gone. You know, identity is a serious thing. Somebody gets a hold of your identity, they can, you know, clean you out. That's what happened to us. It's powerful. And the devil can clean you out. If he corrupts your identity, and that's what he did with Eve, and it was successful. He tried it with Jesus, and it was unsuccessful. We have a friend in Glasgow. He was a crook. They used to call him a nickname, Duke the Crook. And he was a criminal in central Glasgow. Then he got born again, and he goes back down street preaching. But they scream at him. They shout at him, we know who you are. We remember the old you. You're Duke the Crook. What are you doing coming here preaching to us? Yeah, that's what they did with Jesus, wasn't it? You're the carpenter's son. Don't speak to us. And at some point in your life, your family know you really well, don't they? Right? And it can be hard to witness to people that you're close to. True? But you've got to get such a grip on who you are in Christ that the devil or people cannot change that. So I, I, I was a, a nightclub guy. I was totally and utterly lost. I spent 10 years just out of my head because I lacked approval. And I lacked confidence. I didn't have confidence. So when you get plastered in a nightclub, I can go up and talk to girls. It wasn't easy, even in that state. But you take a look around London. Listen, friends, when you see all the drugs and alcohol, it's confidence. It's lack of acceptance of yourself. That's what it is. Do you know what? All of that is the things that the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. The Holy Spirit in you gives you confidence. Hello. The Holy Spirit gives you the confidence in who He has made you to be, no matter what they say. God the Father began with Jesus with securing within Him His identity. So for me, 30 years ago, I, I, I didn't know anything. I was a Catholic. That's all I knew. <coughs> a, a friend gave me a Bible. I read the Bible. And for the first time in my life, first time ever, I was frightened. 
Because in my mind, I said to myself, I actually believe this stuff. Something had changed in my mind. That's what repentance is. It's a change your mind. I, cha- I was in, an, in my little bedsit and I changed my mind. Once I thought God didn't exist and now I can't get it out of my head. I believe he exists. And that's bad news because if God's real, I'm definitely not going to this heaven thing. I'll be going to the other place. What was it called again? That's where I'll be going. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. Yeah, I'm definitely going down. So just sheer fear drove me to a church. Listen, please, because not all of you are born again. You're just churchgoers. Some people here just go to church every Sunday. But you've never had the experience of God. You, you know, I saw a guy on the television the other day, and a, a person said to him, are you married? And he said, um, uh, I've already been M. <laughs> what kind of an answer is that? Imagine being married to him. Are you married to M? I'll get back to you, you know. <laughs> if you're born again, you know it. If you've encountered God, you know it. So I... And do you know what does that? Repentance. True repentance does that. So in that Catholic church that night, I just, you know, tore my soul before God. And I, I, I told some of you what I said. I said, God, I don't love you. How can I love you? I have no idea who you are. I don't even know you. Love you? That's a joke. I don't love you. I'm frightened of you. That's why I'm here. I met this guy who's born again and I believe him and I believe this book now. Look at me now. I was happy a minute ago and now I'm terrified. What am I supposed to do? Oh yeah, repent. And I did serious repent. It took about three weeks. Sometimes the repentance takes time. It took me about three weeks. And then one Thursday night, boom, like getting hit with a train. I was born again. Hallelujah. New life, new spiritual life. And from that day, nothing in this world has looked the same. Nothing has been the same. So you need to be able to set your identity. You need to know that moment when you met him. Right? And you stand on that. I know in whom I have believed. I know him. And it scares me when, you know, when you listen to Christians, even in the seminar today on LGBT, we need to know this book. We need to know what we believe and be willing to stand on it. From that moment that I repented and I became a born-again Christian, as Jesus said, no one can enter heaven unless he is born again. So it's not my statement. It's from the mouth of Jesus. And I, that night, I didn't even know what had happened to me. My, my, my mind was open. My eyes were open. Suddenly everything was different. And I went to work and there was a born again guy there and I told him what happened and he said, you're born again. I thought, what, me? Are you kidding me? And that was the beginning of my journey. Do you know, from that night on, I was no longer only mortal. You know, I was just another little mortal being, you know. No longer just mortal. The definition in wiki of mortal is that which is described as human and that which is subject to death. Now when I was lost, I was dead. My spirit was dead. But mortal doesn't now describe me because when I'm born again, I'm now subject to life. Hallelujah. I've moved from death to life. And I need to have a a, a huge paradigm shift in my head about who I am 
And and what what am I going to do with this new life? You'll see in a moment. Scripture gives you many guidelines. But please listen close. On that night, my spirit came alive. Been there? Remember that? And I realized for the first time for me, I am a spirit. Say that, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. But this body, this that you look at right now, this is not the real me. Aha. Caught you. This is not me. Right? This is my body. It's not the essential me. It's not the core me. And I will not be defined by this. Okay? It's not the true me. Because I am. Ah. I am. The, the scripture says that God is a spirit. And now I'm made in his image. Genesis chapter 1. I've been created in his image. And even in his likeness. So now I am a spirit and my spirit is alive. Like for example. When you look at my body. You've got to be able to see that spirit. Let me put it this way. If you got to know my car. Right? That's Pastor Mike's car. You wouldn't pass the car in the car park and say, oh, there's Pastor Mike. Would you? You would say, that's his car. Right? You would know the difference, correct? And so it is with his body. Inside this body, there's a spirit. And if you're born again, inside your body, there's a spirit. That's the essential you. And this body here will fall into the ground. So I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in this body. Hallelujah. And, you know, I I hope that you had the moment when you were born again. And if not, have it tonight. Tonight's a good night to get saved. It's Good Friday. Very good night to get saved. The Apostle Peter, Jesus turned to him one day and Jesus said this. Peter, 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 Peter. Who do you say I am? Who am I? And I want you tonight to ask God that question about you. Now, just personal, quiet. Ask God. God, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? God the Father opened the sky and gave Jesus that real identity that obviously he needed to fulfill such a task that he had. Right? I'll tell you who you are if you want the answer to that question because the Bible answers it. Number one, you're redeemed. Beside LFC, there's a pawn shop. Cash converters. You can take an item. You go into the shop. You know how it works. You sell it to them. They give you money for it. But they give you a little receipt, don't they? A redemption slip. And you can go back and you can buy back. You can redeem. That which you once owned. Somehow you were separated from it. And in the Garden of Eden, that which was God's was separated through sin. That's you. That's me. And the first thing I need to understand is I have been twice owned by this God. If I'm born again. If you've ever lost something that was precious to you. And you found it. It doesn't have to be more the second time, right? I'm not going to lose this again. I'm going to hang on to this. And you can imagine the grip that God has on us, right? 
I, I had you and the, it's Satan in the garden deceived mankind, but I got you back and I ain't going to let you go. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. I am redeemed by the goodness of God. I am adopted. It doesn't mean adopted in the English sense of the word. The adoption in the Greek in the Bible is not adoption in the way we see it. And adoption typically, in the, certainly in the Western world, I'm sure around the world, you adopt someone who's not from you. It's not your child, right? That's what adoption is. They're not of your bloodline. But in the Bible, that's not the word adoption in the Bible. The word adoption in the Bible is someone who's of the same bloodline. It's the same family. And the word adoption actually means, let me put it like this. You know Prince Charles is not... He, he's, the, he's what's called the heir apparent. So he's waiting for the good lady to say bye-bye. Been waiting a long time, hasn't he? How long is this going to take? A long, long time. God bless the queen. She's fantastic. Long service. But he, he cannot become adopted. Prince Charles, in biblical terms, if you like, when the queen dies, he will be adopted. But she says, no, that's, what the, that, that, that's how it is described in Scripture. So it means that it's not another bloodline. It's you and your own bloodline taking your place, your identity, your identity. So you were redeemed by God. You're supposed to be adopted and step into that. And I'll explain more in a moment. Enter into the role. It's when a son takes his rightful place, the place that he's inherited, the place that he's due to take. Amen? I am, I, I am redeemed. I am adopted. I am a son. I am an heir. If, if, if I don't get a grip on this identity, if I go around thinking I'm just a mere man, like all the other men, how am I going to live like a mere man? And I'm not going to live out of the identity that God, was giving Je God the Father was giving Jesus here. And this night, God wants to say to you, you're a son. You're redeemed. You've been adopted. You're an heir. Start to live out of that. Start to see that as your core identity. Do you know, if there was one person, and this is true, I repent, Lord, that I pray that I should do it, and I should be the one. Dwight L. Moody, famous story. One of the guys made the biggest impact in this part of the world in a long time. Opened many Bible colleges. You know the story, walking along the beach in Bible college, and there was a starfish dying on the beach, and he bent over, and he picked it up and threw it, and they began a conversation, and someone said to Moody, God's just waiting for one person who'll just rescue souls, and something just in that moment happened to him as a young man, and he stopped on the beach, and he said, you know what? That's me. That's me. I'm going to do this. And he did. He did do it. And tonight, the same, it's the same principle. Do you know what the Apostle Paul, eyes forward, give me your attention. Listen, guys. Do you know what Paul says in Romans? The whole world groans for the sons of God to come out, to be revealed. Amen? This whole world is groaning and waiting for the sons of God, for those who will step into the rightful position, the queen's not dead, but Jesus died, and that space is open for you. You're not an heir apparent, you're an heir. Amen. Now, hello. 
You're a son. You're an heir. You're redeemed. You're adopted. That's my identity. And this, this issue is an absolutely huge issue of war with the devil. In Genesis with Jesus, one of the first things he stepped on was this. To try and compromise how Jesus saw himself. If you will get this right tonight, you can become the person that God intended you to be. And the things that maybe you're chasing today or before you came here might look so insignificant even by the end of this night if you will be the one who will let God give me. Who do you say I am? Who am I, Lord? Tell me. And he says, you're a son. I redeemed you. I adopt you and put you in your rightful position. Secondly and thirdly, I'll deal with these together. Acceptance and approval. This is my beloved son. In other words, I'm loved. In whom I am well pleased. Approval. It's kind of trendy to say, I don't need approval. Huh, I don't need approval. <laughs> I don't care what they think. <laughs> These people all need approval. What's wrong with them? Huh? I'm not like that. I'm so strong, I don't need it, you know. You were built with the need for approval. It's fundamental design. You've been built to require the approval of God. That's how you're built. Now the problem starts, you need approval. Okay? It's a good day when you accept that. You need approval. It's the way you're made. It's the approval of God and the acceptance of God. If you don't get that approval from God, that's when the problem starts. Now you're chasing everybody for that approval. I come from a large family, nine brothers and sisters. And our, our parents were fantastic. Our mother's good mother. Father was a great father. <clears throat> and we were very accepted <coughs> and loved. But I have one brother, you know. I, I won't mention his name because I've got several. <laughs> but there's one of my brothers. He's a son. I'm a son. He's a son. I have no problem going to my Abba. Hi, Daddy. No problem. But I've got one brother. Even though he's a son... He would never behave like that. All his life, to this very day, separated himself. A bit like the elder brother. Huh. I'm not accepted. They don't accept me. They don't accept me. That brother really likes me. And he would socialize with me more than anyone. But I never succeeded in saying, Do you know what? It's like I said on the first night, that self-segregation, that's in your head. That's a little game going on inside your head. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking your, your father doesn't love you the way he loves everyone else, or your mother doesn't love you, and you've separated yourself. You've owned that belief. You've owned that, and you're living that out. You're manifesting that. It's not much different with Christians, you know. In this house, right here tonight, not much different. You get such a mix with Christians. Christians, I am who he says I am. But in my heart, yeah, but not me. Not me, yeah, you, yeah. Congratulations, but God, my father, loves this person, loves me, but he's always had some sort of a problem with me. I don't know what I did, but. And that's a reality. It's a truth. 
fundamentally, it's my basic need for acceptance and approval. And I would ask you, answer this question in your heart. Where are you getting your approval from? Where are you getting your approval from? Where's your acceptance coming from? It better be coming from God. Because if it doesn't, I guarantee you that that need is going to change the way you dress. You're going to dress for approval. It's going to change your ministry because you're going to do ministry for approval. And you can preach, you can sing, you can lead worship, you can plant churches, you can do all of it. But you know what you're doing it for? You're doing it for you. You're doing it to make up a lack within yourself. Get, yeah, ask me how I know that. Because that's what I did. That was my, my experience as a young minister, a young pastor, coming from a big family with successful brothers and sisters. And suddenly you're saved and you can feel like, well, I am someone now. That's true. But the error in me, as, certainly as a young man, was to seek identity. My identity is in Christ, not in my ministry. Hello. I don't need a title for my identity. Son's fine. Something gone wrong there. Needed something else as well as son, did I? Something missing there. Amen. Very quiet. I think I spent years, I certainly spent five years hijacking ministry as my means of approval and of acceptance. I've been baptized in fire many times in the Holy Spirit. And, and really that has been the thing that has destroyed that to some degree within me. By no means perfect. But I recognize it in me. I recognize it in me. And if I can see something in my actions, I need to stop some days and say, do you know what, Mike? Stop doing that. Because you know what the reason I'm doing that? I'm doing that so that people will be impressed, like, seek, approve of me. And that's the wrong road for me. It's absolutely the wrong road. From you were a child, believe it or not, most of what you've done as a child was done for acceptance. It was done for acceptance because it's such a need. And until God fills that space, we're compromised. We're really compromised. And tonight, He wants to fill that space. You see people come to church. They change their dress every week. You know, they change the way they look. What's your problem? What's your problem? What, what, what is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're seeking? What's missing? What is it? My soul finds rest in God alone. Do you know I preached on that sermon one time in my life. One time. Listen to this testimony. It was in Dublin. Great Strand Street. We both pastored that church. And this, I had been preparing this message, my soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. And I had to put it off for like a month or whatever. And this woman in the church said, Pastor, can I make a banner? I want to make a banner. I said, okay, yeah, make a banner, no problem. And I, she made it on a big portable stand. It was on the stage, but it was facing the wall because she wanted to show it to the people in the morning. And I turned up on the morning, and this is my, my scripture. 
my soul finds rest. I get up the thing and Tina Manning gets up and she says, uh, she turns the scripture around. What scripture is it? My soul finds resting. Okay, you've got your point. I got the point. Michael, you're only going to find that rest in me. And changing your appearance, trying to act like someone else, trying to be something else, all of this is a lack of identity within you. That's what it is. It's a lack of, of knowing who I am. The best ministry on this planet, the best ministry in churches, comes from people who don't need to minister. They don't need to do it. I don't need to do this. But when you need that, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Again, as it, when, when you're in the early stages of ministry, you get a buzz out of ministry. That's fine. It's true. You, you get some degree of, of, of confidence, I suppose, from it. And that's fine. Let me say this. That's fine as a child. But it's not fine as an adult. When I was a child, I thought like a child. So did you. But Paul says, I, I, I put those childish ways behind me now. And I no longer, Galatians, I no longer live for the approval of men. I don't do that anymore. I used to do that. I used to talk like a child. I used to think like a child. And I used to act like a child. But now I've changed. Identity is core to this. Knowing that I'm a child of God, I'm accepted and I'm loved. Another thing I would say about who I am in Christ. I'm not a servant. I'm not a servant. You're not a servant anymore. Jesus turned to those who got their identity right one day and he said, I'm no longer going to call you servant. Remember? I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. The Bible says this about Moses, who was under the law. It says that Moses was a faithful servant. But it says that Jesus was a faithful son. And that the, the differentiation here is the law and the weakness of the law and the new covenant, grace. And we're supposed to be making that transition. Paul wrote this about this constantly. Do you know what Paul said in Galatians 4? He said this. When, uh, when someone is a child, they can't enter into their position as heir. They can't because they're still a child. And he's basically saying to me and to you, as long as you remain under the law, you cannot enter your reality as a son. Look, point two. Point two. Galatians 4. Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave or a servant. Because though he is master of all, but he lives under guardians until the appointed time of his father. And he goes on to explain, you know, like the, as I say, with the Prince Charles and the Queen. When the Queen dies, Prince Charles automatically is, I'll use the term, adopted into his rightful position. So Paul here is explaining, by the way, um, I serve. We all serve constantly. Amen? We serve. We serve. Okay. But there's a difference in serving and having the identity of a servant. Um, Philippians. 
he, he came in human likeness, taking on the nature of a sa'ah, because he was a son. Hey, hello? Very important, because I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not under the law. And I need to shift tonight. I need to shift from this slave servant crawl onto the seats. I'm not worthy to be here. There's a truth in that, but there's also a great error in there if you're not careful. Amen? Amen. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Slaves and servants work for the approval of their master. But sons have it anyway. As a son, I'm accepted, right? A son can run into his Abba, but the slave will call his master, sir, boss. There's a big difference between having an identity. Some of you have that. Maybe I have that in me. An identity as a slave instead of a, a son and an heir. Slaves have a lot of stress. Servants have a lot of stress. But this rest that we sang about tonight, that's the rest of a son who's loved by the father. I had a loving father. That's a restful place. Amen? And I pray that you migrate to that place. We still serve. But my fundamental nature, like I say about the mirror, when I look in the mirror, that's just my vehicle. It's not me. This is the core me. I will serve but my core identity is as a son of God. Amen? Tonight I pray that God Almighty speaks to you because that's what it requires, folks. With Jesus, the heaven opened. This is my beloved son, beloved, you're loved. Son, that's my identity, in whom I am well pleased. You need a word. You need a word. You need God to do that for you. I'll repeat what I said at the beginning. Many people say, I don't, I, I'm insecure. Do you know what? Just one second and I'm finished. Eyes forward. I'm sure Roy will agree with me. As a pastor, one of the most difficult groups of people to work with are people who are insecure. Insecure people are just a nightmare. They're constantly looking for approval. The things they do are, you know it's not right. And then as a, as a, if you're going to be a decent pastor, you have to try and correct that. You have to step people down from stuff because you know that you know, you're doing this for you. And I can't continue down this road once you were a child. But it's no longer acceptable now. You have to change that way within you. Father, tonight, would you look in this room at these people in the room? And we acknowledge that we follow in the path of Jesus Christ. Because he was baptized, we get baptized. And you spoke a word over him. You said, this is my beloved son. And I am well pleased with him. Father, would you speak that tonight into the core of our being? This whole world groans and waits for the sons of God to be revealed, for people to come into their true inner identity. Sorry for springing this on you, Johanny. Can we sing, I am a child of God? Can, can, I don't know what team that is. Um, Myself and Mary's were praying this afternoon.
and about it's important it's important for me for Easter camp for this night stay with me we're all, almost done it's important for this night that your response is correct with the word okay I want us to sing this song not maybe in the way you've ever sung, sung it before I want you to sing it as your personal declaration I know who I am I am who he says I am. I'm no longer a slave to fear. What do people think about me? I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what they think. I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. And from tonight, I will not seek the approval of others. From tonight, I understand and I accept that my soul finds rest in God alone. Stand with me one moment as the team. So I'm not going to have an altar call where we pray for people, but we're, we are concluding right now. You can sing it in your seat, this song, and I want you to sing it as a prophetic declaration, to sing it with all your heart and with gusto. Let the devil hear your words that you know who you are. You know who Christ has made you to be. Sing it out. Prophesy it over yourself. In Jesus' name.